Hey, welcome back to Pigeonal Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Steve. Hey, how's it going, hockey fans? You know, we're just a couple goalies that have taken one too many pucks at the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. We mostly cover the NHL, but we'll also discuss other happenings around the hockey world, so be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and especially Twitter, to let us know what you think. Also, be sure to comment and share any hockey news highlights or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So, Steve, today we're going we're gonna to probably just cover a couple NHL topics, but the, the one we're going to start with is the Columbus Blue Jackets franchise. Now, we're not just talking about this year, listeners. We're talking about what we've seen in the last several years, just trying to analyze what's wrong in Columbus. The powerhouse team that finally got by the first round of the playoffs two years ago, where they went all in, that's been their that was their best shot, you know, recently to really make a good cup push, right? They had a pretty sad team. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I'm not a professional hockey player, right? And I do realize you only have so many years to make money, you know. But again, you know, if I'm still earning close to a million dollars a year, I'm doing pretty good. So what I'm confused about is, like, that year of that team, if I was that group of people, I would have taken one more year with the team and said, let's just try this one more time, right? Right. Got a hell of a, yeah. court, got a, hell of a team assembled to get that cup. I, I, I don't know. And let's be honest about locations. Where would you rather play, um, Tampa Bay or Columbus, Ohio? Tampa Bay. <laughs> but, uh, you, you couldn't I, even do one of your sarcastic forced <laughs> long, long weighted things like that was just you, you can't even joke about it. Right. It's no, you can't. And now, I've heard I've heard this. I heard it's a beautiful setup and I almost went to a game there. Almost like I, you know, I do want to go to every NHL arena. I heard it's a great setup. You know, it's a college city and it's a bunch of bars and you know, restaurants all the way down to the arena. But what does Columbus have to offer, you know, hockey players, young guys in the prime of their lives with a bunch of spending power and then, you know, girlfriends or their wives, right? Or their families. Yeah. So what's there to offer for them? And when you compare them to other major cities, you know, a power, powder cake hockey city like Toronto or Montreal where you know you're going to get an epic ton of attention anywhere you go, it's still more appealing than Columbus, Ohio. So I think the location is just one problem, right? Not exactly a destination spot where people want to go. But then no, I want to say that it's yeah. probably – when you look at, I guess, the hockey world and where a lot of cities are, yeah, there might be, you know, there might be players that don't want to play in Tampa or Dallas or Phoenix. But those are also cities, Tampa, Dallas, and Phoenix, that have a, you know, vibrant – uh, city life and a lot to do and there's a lot of options for players in those cities so okay you might not be playing in a toronto or a montreal or vancouver where people know who you are it's just one of those locations where it's oh i'm gonna go play hockey in ohio you know no knock on ohio i've been there i'd never ever ever want to live there i just don't think it's necessarily a destination i don't know if that's an, you know enough to keep clawing players away from there though it, it just doesn't strike me as a place that's hockey crazy it's more it's definitely from again anybody from ohio chime in it just seems like a, a very strong football culture in ohio yeah no well 
that's that's a lot to be said for a lot of places in the United States, right? Because yeah, you know, they, baseball is you know your pastime, but football is their their true religion, right? It's Saturday and Sunday worship, college Saturday, you know, and Sunday worship all day, you know, essentially for you know. That's uh, me. That's me. September through January. <laughs> yeah, but but that's it, and, and I'm not, it's not an exaggeration, right? Because when you really look at it, you know, their Sundays are spent. When you see these tailgaters that are go out. You know, they start setting up at like five, six o'clock in the morning, right, to get ready for. Oh, that's game. for the people that are just there in the morning. You're not if, if you're talking about a Buffalo Bills. Buffalo is set up for tailgating, and people will get out there Friday night to tailgate all the way until the game on Sunday. I have literally been at games where people are passed out drunk before the national anthem started, which is why'd you even do it? But I've seen it. Ah, and by the way, this will send me on this one tangent now. Um, <laughs> just here's a funny story, guys. Um, so my wife and I are, you know, going to a coyotes game where, uh, one of the bars and, uh, the Oilers are in town playing. So we just threw on, you know, Gretzky Oiler jerseys. Right. And it, it wasn't a knock on the coyotes. We, you know, we're just embracing that. This dude was just drunk, right? Just drunk in this bar, you know, right off the get-go. And he came on over to us and was talking to us. He found out we're not Oilers fans, and he was just joking, pretending to try to rip the jersey off me, which, again, didn't bother me, right? So, anyway, the uh, bartender bought us a free round. He's like, oh, sorry for the harassment. I'm like, again, not a big deal. I'm like, dude was just drunk, being a drunk guy. Later on in the game, I had zipped down because I, I don't know if it was I was going to go buy a beer but I, I think for some reason we were on the suite levels. And anyway, I was flying on down, and all of a sudden I hear this huge commotion down the stairs more. And I look down, and there's Buddy getting escorted out by a group of security guards and talks. <laughs> and I, and I, you flew all the way to a different country to watch your team play hockey, and you got so drunk that you got kicked out of the game. Why? <laughs> Why? You went there specifically for hockey, and you ended up getting tossed into the arena, which you're never allowed back in when you do that. You, back to the Buffalo Bills thing, like I don't get it, right? If I'm there to yeah. watch the event, I wanna, I wanna be happy. I don't mind having a few in me, but I don't want to be so drunk I don't remember it. Oh, right? these people not even remember it. They're not even conscious for the game. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, they're passed out in their chair and. The seats, I'm specifically talking about one game where the Buffalo Bills played the Miami Dolphins, but it's Thanksgiving Day weekend. This is where, like, Terrell Owens caught it. Like, great. So whatever season the Buffalo Bills had Terrell Owens, it, it was a great game. It really was a great game. And we were four rows from behind the Bills bench. So this guy was, what, five rows behind the Bills bench, passed out drunk the whole game. It's incredible. The tailgate culture is a blast, but... When you're waking up on Sunday morning, maybe, okay, you got hammered on Saturday night, whatever, right? You wake up on Sunday morning, you paid good. I know I paid good money for those seats. You know, you pay good money for those seats. Uh, I'm just going to have some coffee and maybe have some beers at the game. It's it's a it's a culture. Uh, tailgating is a culture in Buffalo. And when you, you turn that in to Ohio, it's definitely a culture in Ohio. Uh, they've got so many good just like you said, college football teams, and they got the Bengals and the Browns. It's not exactly known for hockey. And 
honestly, I will say that between them and Minnesota, I think both those teams came into the league the same year. I don't know which one's trying to compete for the most tragic jersey, but they're both in the top two. <laughs> they're honestly Minnesota Wilds jersey. Now, the retroverse minus the red, I love it. With the red, it's a tragedy. I just don't think it belongs in there. And then Columbus, I get it. I actually think it's a super cool name and uh, you know it's a, it's a super cool identity. I just think that they've just struck out left and right with logos. I absolutely love their third or alternate jersey with the cannon on it. Oh guys, just go to that because you're oh no, every, every, everything I, I else that tries is horrible. I have that um, I have that Nash autographed jersey I, I love that jersey that i think is one of the nicest ones in the nhl i agree with you 100 percent on that one it, it's that's yeah. a, a solid oh it's one of the jersey. best in nhl history nhl history that's a gorgeous jersey but honestly their current jerseys and the jersey other jerseys they've worn since and before have all been probably in the bottom 20 of nhl history they're that bad their jerseys in minnesota's wilds they're just bad but this new minnesota wild retro reverse and the columbus blue jackets cannon jersey dude top 20 top 30 for sure like in history i, I just i think that they I, I think that's actually i'm telling you man the players can see right <laughs> so sometimes you look at that jersey like Ugh, do i want to play for that team sometimes a good jersey makes a big difference i just i just think that there's a lot of things wrong in columbus but just think about it i mean what the organization what 2001 2000 it's a 2000 they came in the league oh, yeah i'd have to look that oh, up okay, okay so yeah let's just assume 2000 is the the year that columbus came into the league and of course they ended up with ex- excellent talent like nash and Nash just had to get away. And I think he was the first big notable name that I can remember just trying to get out of that organization. I'm sure there were others. But then you start looking at almost two years ago. I can't believe it's been almost two years. But you got the guys Panarin and Bobrovsky and Duchesne, all those guys just running for the hills. And, uh, oh, man, who's that guy that Carolina picked up? The guy is the Zingle, uh, right? The Zingle? The Zingle? Yeah. Yeah. So just they had some they just had players running for the hills. And now, obviously, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois ran for the hills and Miko Koivu signed with them and decided to retire. Patrick Laine has been benched into the third period. I'm, I'm aware that, you know, he may have got into it with his, his coach and stuff. But what's wrong in Columbus? They can't keep talent. Well, is it really just is a city that bad? I'm sorry. I haven't been to Columbus, Ohio. I've been through Cincinnati. I thought Cincinnati was actually kind of fantastic. But the rest of Ohio, uh, I've I've driven through Cleveland. It's like Buffalo. (laughs) I don't know what else to say about Cleveland. Just well, we have to also address the Tortorella thing, right? Oh, Um, absolutely. Do you think it's been there was when did Torch join them? Was he there for Rick Nash? Yeah, he was there for Nash for a bit. Oh. and then Nash shortly bailed out afterwards, right? I'm actually going to Google it right now. I think Sebastian, you, and I, and I think maybe even Matt at one point, we've we've discussed Columbus. I think this is what triggered this conversation was me, you, and Matt trying to identify what's wrong with the Columbus Blue Jackets that they just keep losing so many players. And I just can't settle on the fact that alone it's a city. You might not get a player to willingly go there and sign because of the city. 
I think Buffalo gets that problem a lot. You have players that are routinely just trying to get out of there and vocalizing, I want to trade. Get me out. Well, that's 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 a troubling part, right? Because when it gets down to that point, as soon as somebody demands a trade, it drops their trade value, right? 100%. Um, but uh, just to, before we go on this part, though, uh, Columbus is doing better with Line A and then the other player they picked up that they targeted in that trade. He has something like five goals. Oh, they, God, yeah. Rock, start to the R, right? R, yeah, uh, hold on. He's been on fire. <laughs> oh, that's what I mean. When I watched his first game, I think we were doing a podcast. He was on the background. You know, Line wasn't playing yet, and this guy was. I was like, holy cow, he is – he's doing phenomenal. I'm like, no wonder why he was targeted as part of that trade. It's not Roslovic, is it? Yeah, Roslovic. You're right. It's yeah. Roslovic. Yeah, he – I watched his first game, and I watched him power down the ice, make some sweet moves, and ring one off the post, and I went, oh, boy, how come players – our coaches weren't knocking down the door to get that guy, right? Yeah. So, but now, sorry to have got, gone off on that tangent, but here's what's interesting, right? So that kid comes into that organization, seems to be fitting in well. He's getting ice time. He's getting chances, right? Line A gets benched, right? And Tortorell is not, apparently not afraid of benching stars or anybody, right? He'll bench you. He doesn't think you're doing your job. He sends a message. Line right. gets benched Which for probably for, worked for our generation. From what you've mean seen in the past, it looks like the setup around the arena is probably pretty sick, and it looks like it's probably a pretty awesome place to go see a hockey game and a pretty great place to have fun afterwards. Well, when the now, Blue Jackets got a yeah. team, I'm like, where? Well, yeah, and that's the they were trying to diversify stuff. And if you you figure when that team landed, they were hoping for a huge Red Wings. Columbus, you know, rivalry, right? If you have that's them, never developed. Yeah, that never happened. And by the way, uh, Tortorella started in 2015. And here's his record, though. By the way, right? He it's started been in great. I mean, he, yeah, 2015 the won with him. Yeah, 2015-16, they missed the playoffs, right? First year there, and then he's made the playoffs every year. They keep losing in the first round, except for in 1819, they finally made it past in the first round. Yeah, when they swept Tampa. Yeah, but he's made the playoffs, right? So this is what's interesting, right? So a lot of the old hard-nosed coaches, that style of coaching is going out the window now because all those hard-nosed coaches seem to be assistant coaches now, right? They're the guy in the background. A, a team I'll look at is like, let's take a look at the Leafs, okay? They're playing some really good hockey right now. Um, Sheldon Keith, he, is, like, he drove my dad nuts when he coached in Sault Ste. Marie because – He'll do a breakout right in front of his own net. He doesn't care. Like there's no boundaries for him, right? He, you've got an open spot to pass that puck, pass that puck quick and go. Last year, you know, I didn't expect him to do an, a, an amazing job last year because taking over a team that had issues um, is always a tough thing to do, right? But this year, he's got he's got those leaps firing on all cylinders. Their only question mark is going to be in goal again. Their defense is better than what I expected it to be. Paul is starting to look like a top defenseman so that's a lot more stable but i think it's going to be goaltending because they're still riding freddie anderson the majority of the games good luck if it comes to the playoffs with that right you don't want to tire him on out but anyway 
he's doing well, right? The teams that seem to have these more progressive coaches seem to be doing, you know, better than some other coaches. And, you know, a guy like Trotz, for example, he was, you know, described as a player's coach. He's a guy that reeled in good old Ovechkin and got him to buy into his system game and got a cup out of it. The thing is, if I was a owner of a team and I said, you know, I was having issues in the locker room, guy's not gelling and I needed a more authoritarian type of coach, why not look at Tortorella, right? He gets results. Like, so the New York, so let's take a look at this whole history, right? New York Rangers, they missed the playoffs. Then he went to Tampa Bay Lightning, missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs. Then in 03, his third year, they lost in the conference semifinals. Next year, they win the cup. Then it was quarterfinals, quarterfinals, and then they missed the playoffs. And then that was the end of torch there. And then he goes to the New York Rangers, and they lost in the quarterfinals. And then it was conference quarterfinals, conference finals, and conference semifinals with the Rangers. He gets guys to perform. He can't argue with his record. But, but uh, I mean, you hear a lot of players don't like him. But at the end of the day, I you want the players to stay. You want the good players, the talented players to stay on your team. But if your good and talented players aren't winning, would you rather have your seats filled in the third round of the playoffs? Or would you rather have a happy $10 million player and your team's not making the playoffs? What do you want there? Because that's the that's the well. Oh, then just fire a torch. You know he keeps making these guys leave. Yeah, but you keep making the playoffs, which means you keep making money. If you keep making the playoffs, good riddance. Uh, that's I mean, shoot. If if he could get Buffalo in the playoffs and we lost guys like Eichel and Skinner and Hall, I'd be like bye bye and bye. We're making the playoffs now. So. Do you think it's torts? So, like I said, lining aside, Dubois wanted out. Lots of guys wanted out, right? Yeah. Look and, at the list know, of guys that have just fled. And I didn't get a chance to look at this. Josh Anderson actually came to the defense of Tortorella, but then spoke up about, you just don't know what Tortorella you're going to get every day, right? I think that was, and then if I'm wrong, Josh Anderson, I've got to go really back and look at this because this just popped up quickly today while I was working and I wanted to check out the article. It seems like veterans seem to like Tortorella because he just expects you to work hard, go, he's tougher on the younger guys. I, I think it's a combination. Like the only way you're going to know is if they get a really good coach, again, in Columbus, they get a good guy, a player's coach. That's the only way we're going to be able to tell, right? Once Tortorella is gone, if they land themselves, you know, a really good player's coach and people still don't want to stick around, then it's the city itself. Or maybe, you know, the thing we don't know is the organization, right? Because there's there are world-class organizations to play for where they really take good care of their players. I don't know enough about the Columbus one to really make a comment on that, but that could also be a factor, right? Um, right. That's one of the things we're trying to figure out with this is, is it the city? Is it the organization? Is it torts? I think they started losing players before torts, but I could be wrong. It seems to be one of those organizations, or right now the current organization in the NHL, that just can't keep talent no matter yeah. what. And it, it, maybe it's a combination of all those factors. Maybe it's just so underwhelming. Again, I I can't speak on behalf of the people of Columbus. If, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, maybe you know a little bit more than we do. Uh, chime in. Let us know. What do you think it is? Or do you know what it is? All I know is you, I, Sebastian, and others have just been talking about just the, the mass exodus of talent from Columbus. Because honestly, if you, if you lose some lower-level guys, that's every team does. It's not noticeable. But when you keep losing your top guys, your top players, the Nashes, the Panarins, the Bobrovskis, 
Pierre-Luc Dubois. What's wrong? And they're they're not leaving because they're too old. They're not leaving. Be, they're just they they are clawing. It just seems like they're clawing at the walls to get out of Columbus. Well, you know, here here one thing I got I got I got to counter that one point, and I will say okay. I'll say they're not clawing at the walls to get out. They've had a good core of guys that have been with that team for a while, right? Oh, they have. I mean, you got guys like Nick Foligno's been there for. A while. Yeah, you have a lot of guys. You've got Felino Atkinson, damn good yep. player. Uh, Zach Wierenski, not a bad defenseman either. Boone Jenner, Brand, didn't Dub- didn't Brandon Dubinsky retire this year? Am I off I on that one? Thought he did. I mean, he's only like I thought I thought he had back issues, so I could be wrong. Maybe because he's mid thirties. Yeah, but they've had this core group of players that have stuck around. If there was that much of an issue, why wouldn't these guys have demanded trades when that big sell-off happened? So it's it, this is like, this really is an interesting... That's, like, the, that's love, the fascinating part. That's exactly <laughs> it. Because I'm like, look, I would have loved to have had a Boone Jenner on my team. I would have loved to have had him. Like, we got Anderson, and I watched Anderson play. Anderson and Dubois used to be the Achilles heel when we would play the friggin' Blue Jackets. They would always just annihilate us. So, but you have these other guys that just stuck around this team and they don't seem to be demanding trades or doing anything else. And to be honest, I I think each team has that core group as well, that they just seem to be there all the time. And yeah, you're right. They do. They have a very good core group right there, but they just, like I said, they're routinely losing really, really top end talent. Yeah. And so, and it's a team that's winning. This isn't a team that. It's not like these guys were demanding trades off this team that just – it's not the Buffalo Sabres. We haven't made the playoffs since 2011. This is a team that has been making the playoffs basically since Tort's second season, and these players are still scratching at the walls to get out. It's, it's, it's not a losing team. You know what they do a good job, though, and you've got to admit, when they lose guys like this Dubois trade, right? Dude, they rebuild like the guy never existed. Yeah, no, exactly. They restructure properly. Look, look, they had the luxury of benching Line and it didn't hurt them. Think about they grabbed your head around that one. (laughs) So you you benched your sniper, and that's a culture thing, right? Like you got to get yourself in line. You're not above anybody else on this team, and I agree with that. Like I absolutely agree. I agree with that completely. You're putting yourself above the teammates, dude. Get yourself reeled back in and play for your teammates. You know, like the Boston Bruins are a team that's had a really good core together. Players actually taking discounts to try to stay with that team to keep their success going. They built up a good culture and they had a rough go, you know, the 80s and 90s weren't kind to them. A lot of it has to do with this type of behavior. You you, you can no longer be that player that's up and above. And, and look, I'll go back to it again. Alex Ovechkin, how much success did you guys have in the playoffs before Trotz came along? Right? None. We're second round out every year. Every year. And again, like I'll go back to it. Like you ran into a hot, hot halak the one year, right? He was just lights out. But in, as a Habs fan, it's not like we did anything incredible. We just knew keep Alex Ovechkin be outside and he's going to hog the buck. We, we knew it. He wasn't using all the other tools on his team. And when he bought into a team concept, holy cow, like he, he now realizes I can sit in that slot with my stick up on a, on a power play, right? And not have to do much. And just him sitting there with a stick up in the air is enough threat, you know, honest, right? And you can't, when you've got a Backstrom, for example, who's got the puck and you got Ovechkin on the opposite side with a stick up in the air, you've got to stay true to 
Backstrom was Backstrom's with a snipe you. Play for your teammates and not yourself, and you'll have a hell of a lot more success. I don't think like this whole I don't want to play for an organization before you even step foot in there, go to hell. You know, you you, you yes, you worked hard, but you were blessed with talent and let's be honest, usually for the majority of these players, they come from an area of some type of wealth where they're able to get special training and do all this extra stuff, right? Because yeah, generally, if you if you play hockey, if you play in the National Hockey League, I mean, I grew up as a poor kid, so I didn't get even. I couldn't. We couldn't even afford to put me on the ice, much less make me a goalie. So I became a goalie in my adult life, my young adult life, by being able to spend money on all my own equipment. So I will definitely say that you have to have some level of financial means to play this sport. The amount of extra time and training and travel teams, hockey is a super expensive sport and mm-hmm. it's a lot of dedication for the family members even if they have to send their children off to a they get drafted by the ushl or one of the chl teams you know or elsewhere and off they go there's a sacrifice involved with that sport. well my, my, my dad we were lower middle class travel hockey and a lot of politics in my home on my my small hometown because yeah, it was years that i should have made a travel team but i didn't but then part of me towards the end, I didn't want to play travel hockey because it was a lot of money. And I didn't want to put my parents in a financial position where they were struggling, right? Just so I could play up another level of hockey. Um, and I that's, also, lot, that's what a lot of players sometimes have to do. Yeah. So, you know, would I have made it very far? No, because I'm under six foot. So I was only going to make it so far. I Definitely had enough talent to probably make a junior double A team or something along our junior B team, right? Something along those lines or possibly have gotten a scholarship at a smaller school in the States. But there was other issues why I didn't do that. All right, hockey fans, thanks for listening in. Yeah, everyone, thanks again for tuning in. This is Chris and Steve at Pigeon Hockey. Have a great one, hockey fans. And we'll catch you next time.